0: Um, you've joined us at uh, Kingsway's uh, 10 a.m., uh, our only service. Um, uh, we're a church that loves the king and lives his way. Um, again, uh, I, we say it every week, but we say it every week not just because it's a tagline, uh, but because it's it's rich uh, with meaning. Um, and one of the ways that we want to practically uh, live out that statement, uh, that mission statement, if you will, uh, is to look outward Uh Outside the four uh, metaphorical walls of our church, um, and yeah, uh, spread the gospel and uh, do good. Uh, for those around us. And one of the ways that uh, we decided uh, to kick us off in that direction um, and get some momentum in that area is to uh, partner with an organization uh, called Compassion. So we've been harping on about it for, you know, a few weeks. So hopefully you guys are, you know, aware that today is Compassion Sunday. Um, So uh, we're going to invite Paul, uh, Paul Beeson, to uh, share from God's Word uh, for us. um, And Yeah, and uh, to get to know him a little bit uh, better, I'm going to invite Paul O. to interview Paul Beeston. So it's an interview of the Pauls. So uh, why don't don't we give them a hand as we uh, invite them up.
1: Thanks, Daniel, for pointing out we're both named Paul. Hi, Paul. Paul. You have a (laughs) great name. I've just got a few questions for Paul, just so we can get to know him better and so he can share a few things. Um, Paul, can you tell us a bit about yourself, uh, your family and the church that you go to?
2: Yeah, so I'm Paul uh, also. Uh, I grew up at Eastwood and uh, yeah, I love Sydney. Come on. Um, And I live on the Central Coast now, so I'm married to Angela. We have two kids. Our son, Jung is 16. Our daughter, Xi'an is 13. And we love going to the beach, but we love coming back down to Eastwood. We did last night; had good food, it was awesome. And Mum and Dad still live there, so we get to park there as well, which is really, really good—the um, highlight. Uh, and we go to the Lakes Church at Tugra, which is an FIEC church, like you guys.
1: Nice. What, what did you eat at Eastwood? It's not prepared, but oh, yeah,
2: we got. Sorry, it was on the Chinese side, because that's... <laughs> I apologise, apologise in advance. Um, so we had uh, shallot pancakes, they were good, and uh, my, my son got um, pan-fried dumplings, and it was pretty sick. It was the New Year celebration thing down at the Oval, yeah.
1: Uh, sounds wonderful, but I, I felt like you were hiding something. Um, not that we're a Korean church, but uh, anyway. Um, how did you end up getting involved with uh, Compassion?
2: Yeah, so I um, went through Bible college and my wife and I went down and worked in Nowra um, on the south coast for four years and I was an assistant minister there at the church and my friend Kristen came up to me one day and um, he goes, why don't you sponsor with Compassion? And I don't know why, he was a bit angry about it. No, he wasn't angry. He was just, I like, really forthright about how he loved compassion. And I was like, I don't even, I've never heard of him. Like, I didn't, I didn't mean to do the wrong thing, but can you tell me about him? And he said, look, there's three things he loves about compassion. The first one is that, I think there might even be a slide, but um, it, it doesn't matter if there's not. He said, the first one is that they're Christ-centered, so they're all about making Jesus' name known. And I was like, that's awesome. We love organisations that have the same heart we do for Jesus. The second one is that they're child-focused, so they only work with children, um, and they want to help kids grow up to know and love Jesus, to walk with him, and kids who are in extreme poverty. And as you guys know, as we read the Bible, it's pretty clear that God has a heart for the poor and needy and calls us to as well and so we, that was like tick two ticks from from my, and my wife and then the third one was that they're church-based so they only work in lo- local churches and so we love that idea that um on the ground in the country's compassion works it's just local churches loving the kids caring for them and their families and so we were like tick 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 and uh we did nothing about it though, unfortunately, for quite a while. And then we were in a caravan park uh, visiting friends and I went to the manager's office and I was trying to find where our friends were staying and uh, he, I saw a little compassion sign, like which was pretty random. And I said, oh, what's with the compassion sign? He goes, oh, you heard about compassion? I said, yeah. And then he pulls out all these profiles of kids from, out from under the desk and he goes, when you're visiting your friends, why don't you have a look and then if you'd like to sponsor, do. And so we did. We started sponsoring then and now we... That was a long time ago. now we sponsor a whole bunch of kids as a family.
1: Yeah, That's awesome. Um, I, yeah, I, just, I won't add on too much, but the values of Compassion, you know, church-focused gospel center, like, they're, they're all amazing. So they're a big part of why we chose Compassion as well. Um, so today we're launching a partnership with Compassion, uh, particularly uh, sponsoring children from Cebu in the Philippines. Um, can you share a little bit of what that uh, partnership will look like?
2: Yeah, yeah thanks, Paul. So, um the Philippines, I don't know, some of you may have been, but you're probably aware there's some extreme poverty in the Philippines. And Cebu particularly is... Um, I got to, to travel there and meet some of our sponsor kids and be there for, for compassion. It's... Uh, A beautiful place but actually a really difficult place for children uh, who are very vulnerable both to poverty and the effects of poverty but also to exploitation as well. Um, It's pretty awful. It can be pretty awful. And so Compassion's working through local churches on the ground to love these kids, to introduce them to Jesus, to provide for their physical needs, their spiritual needs so they get healthcare and Bible teaching and uh, education, tutoring, all those amazing things. And uh, we're going to partner together with Kingsway uh, to, to bless these children. And so you'll, you would have seen when you come in, came in there a uh, couple of tables with profiles of kids. And we would love you to consider sponsoring a child. And you probably heard about this the last few weeks. Um, sponsoring a child and blessing them uh, with being their sponsor. It's $48 a month, and the impact is huge, um, having seen it and myself. And, and as I said, we, also, we sponsor a bunch as a family. Um, then you can write to them, pray for them, and even, God willing, one day go visit them as well. And that's an amazing privilege to be able to do that.
1: Awesome. How can we as individuals or families get involved? Is that the main way that you shared?
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, that that would be an amazing start. So if you uh, would like to come to the table afterwards, um uh, James and Tina and I will be there, Mark at the table uh, will help show you. And you just choose one of the profiles of the children. On the back, or you might like to choose more than one, that would be amazing too. It's a little bit of a story about... So this is I Ai, and she lives with mum and dad. Um, there's kids out there who've been waiting a very long time. They've got a little red... Um, the uh, mark down the bottom tells you how long they've been waiting and you just do the QR code on the back and then fill it out on your phone straight away. It's really easy, but the impact's incredible uh, and it's such a blessing to the kids. So we'd love you to come and do that afterwards.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think you said you've got 46 yeah. Um, yeah. children and I said last week like it'd be amazing if we could sponsor all of them. And we'd ask you for more. And so that's, our, that's my hope uh, today. Um, you pre- prepared a video of the impact that we can make uh, on the Philipp- in the Philippines if we partner together. Uh, is it good to yeah, watch it now? Okay. Yeah. Can we watch the video? That it's not the voiceover, and that's not that's not the voice of God. That's I'm not.
0: Um, So I watched that video uh, beforehand uh, just to, you know, um, uh, prepare for the service. And I couldn't help but think of that uh, passage in the book of James. Um, I don't know why, it just keeps coming to mind, but I'll share it with you. So um, the book of James says, If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? Uh, in the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. Um, yeah, I, don't, I don't know why that struck me so hard. Um, yeah, like Christians, we have the best hope um, that the world could ever have. Um, and that should show in the way that we treat other people, especially people who are less fortunate than us. And uh, yeah, this is one really practical way to, to um, do that. Uh, but enough of me, uh, let's look at God's Word. Uh, you, uh, why don't you open up with uh, me to the book of Luke, so the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 5. And we'll be looking at a few verses there, uh, verses 17 to 26. So the Gospel uh, according to Luke, chapter 5, uh, verse 17, and then we'll stop at uh, verse 26. Verse 26. All right, cool. Uh, Please follow along as I read. Uh, I'll be reading from the uh, English Standard Version. Verse 17. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in, and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and led him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, "Man, your sins are forgiven you." And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, "Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins?" But God alone. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them. Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise. Pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God, and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. This is the word of God.
2: Well, let's, uh, let's pray. Uh, Lord God, we thank you so much that we get to sit under your word today. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that uh, you speak to us through your spirit. and We pray that you will soften our hearts uh, for your, your teaching and your leading today. Lord, we want to thank you most of all for your son. Uh, we thank you for what he's done for us on the cross. We thank you, Lord, that we can trust him for life, for now and eternity. And we pray that today, uh, yeah, we'll love him even more. And we pray for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I had the privilege, as I was saying before, of going to the Philippines. And I think uh, there, you'll, there'll be a photo here uh, of a family I met. And this was in uh, also in, uh, in the Philippines, as I said. Do you guys know Colin Buchanan? The, some of you will know Colin. He's a, a Christian muso. Um, he came over and, uh, and a bunch of pastors came over. And it was a fantastic time. And if you've been to... Has anyone been to the Philippines? Yeah, one of the things when you go to the community, the slum communities, is there's they're just houses on top of houses. It's just everywhere. But in the middle often is a basketball court because it's such a, a popular game in the Philippines and they have this communal place to, to have activity, which, which is great. And I met Dave and his family and Dave told us that four years prior uh, to our visit, their house had burned down. And so... Uh, they already lived in a slum community. There was an earthquake and then the house collapsed and fell down. And when I say house, it's sort of like, uh, they went and showed us, it's sort of like your shed in your backyard, you know, in a typical Aussie shed, um, two stories made out of timber and it had just all collapsed and caught fire. And it would probably cost a couple of hundred bucks to to have the um, materials to build it, but they didn't have that. And so the community let them at night sleep on the basketball court. And they had uh, they showed us their house, their home, which was basically just a tarp, like a you know a sheet thing on a piece of rope over uh, a pallet. And those who could fit underneath that, uh, there was eight of them in the family. Uh, they f- slept under there, and the boys, the older boys, just slept out on the basketball court. And um, that was pretty confronting, right? And while we were there chatting, I noticed this bank of doors so like there's these doors all next to the basketball court and like padlocks on each of the doors and i said i just asked well what's with the doors and they said oh um they're the toilets and i'm like okay because i realized pretty quickly there's no taps in the houses no running water definitely no toilets and so if you want to use the toilets you have to pay um, the people who own the private toilets um to use the toilets and we're chatting to mum Dave, David's mum, and she worked super hard every day. She made these sweet bread rolls. She made this humongous batch of them, and she would take them out, sell them to the community. And if she had a good day, she'd earn fifty. She'd earn three dollars. She'd earn three dollars for her family to help provide for the eight of them and care for them. And while I was I'm doing the maths in my head, I'm like, how much does it cost to use the bathrooms, the toilet? And they said, oh, however many pesos it was. And I did the numbers again. I'm like. That's like fifty cents a day. So you're getting three bucks, and you've got to give fifty cents of that straight to just to use the toilets. And like, this is incredible—the the the, the um, difficulty and hardship for a family to su- survive in that sort of situation. And so, but Dave's mum's not thinking, um, you know, swimming lessons or tutoring or superannuation or any of that stuff. She's just like, how do I get through today? Give the basics to my family so they can survive, they can eat user facilities, all that sort of stuff. And then we come back to Australia. And for those of you guys who've been overseas or seen um, any poverty and suffering, when you come back to Australia, it's pretty incredible, right? You come back and everything seems to just work. Like the roads work, it's smooth, you're driving along, everything's clean, you drink water out of your tap at home, there's good food everywhere, it's it's amazing. And so you come back and I've been struck when that I've come back from the Philippines thinking... How do I respond to that sort of reality which is only a short flight away um, from from home? And even if I do do something, what is the best thing to do? And I think that's um, that's why we want to look at God's word, right? To see what God wants us to do. How does God want us to respond to the poor and needy? Uh, What practical hope does God hold out for them and for us as well? And so that's what we're going to be looking at today in God's word. Now one, uh, one time I was sharing about compassion very early on when I started with compassion and a guy came up to me after, after church and he said, what do you reckon the, the root cause of poverty is? I thought that's a pretty good question because once you work on the root cause, then uh, you know that's going to change everything. If you're just working on the symptom, it's, it's like you know having skin cancer and then just trying to treat it with a packet of Band-Aids, right? It's just not going to do anything. It's not going to work. You want to work on that core disease and not just the, the symptoms. And the Bible tells us that the enormous poverty and suffering that we see in the world uh, stems back to one event in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis three seventeen, God said to Adam, Because you listened to your wife's voice and ate from the tree about which I commanded you do not eat from it, the ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return from the ground. Since you were taken from it, you are from, for you are dust and you will return to dust. And even in that very first event, we see sin is the root problem. Sin and rebellion against God is the root cause of all the troubles facing our world. It's like a huge ripple effect from that day onward. And our world instantly became no longer that beautiful place that Eden was, being in right relationship with our Creator and right relationship with one another and with his creation. Sin broke in and creation groans as a result. The land was cursed by God. It became incredibly difficult to work. Uh, getting the food and nourishment that we need uh, as a struggle against the elements. And those relationships that were so perfect were shattered as Adam and Eve hid their nakedness from one another. They didn't trust each other anymore. They hid from God. Uh, The the once perfect relationship with their creator was was broken. And the world became chaotic in so many ways. Adam and Eve's kids, uh, when Cain uh, murdered his brother Abel, that's the sort of impact that sin has had in our world. And I, I don't need to tell you guys how hard life can be um, because of sin. And so that sets the tone for this world that we live in and even the tone for God's people. Because over time we see that God's people, uh, even though they were chosen by him, called to be set apart by him, so often didn't love and live the way they um, they should have. And so in Amos chapter 2, this is the Israelites Uh, this is what the Lord says to the Israelites in Amos 2 verse 6. The Lord says, I will not relent from punishing Israel for three crimes, even four, because they sell a righteous person for silver and a needy person for a pair of sandals. They trample the heads of the poor on the dust of the ground and they block the path of the needy. And so it's not just like, Sinful people out there. This is God's chosen people. This is how they were responding to each other, and particularly to the the poor and needy. We're sinful people. We live in a broken world, a selfish world. As Romans says, uh, both Jews and Gentiles are all under sin. As it's written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become useless. There's no one who does what is good, not even one. And so that sinfulness of man is our greatest problem, right? Um, There's no one right before God. We've all turned away from him. There's no one who does good, not even one. And so that's whether you're rich or poor, whether you're Filipino or Australian, whether you're a man or woman or child. Each one of us needs our core problem dealt with before we can address any of those symptoms, and then we come to Jesus, and Jesus has a remedy for our problems and the and, and the, the core terminal disease of sin, and that's the passage uh, we're reading uh, today or looking at today. So Luke chapter five. So if you've got your your Bibles on your phones, that'd help, or if you brought a paper one, special shout out to you. Um, so, I love this account of what happened so there Jesus is teaching in in the house, and uh, people are packed in there's no room at all there's no room to 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 um to come in and hear him and along come these guys who bring their friend who's paralyzed and they want him to be healed by Jesus the great healer. And verse 19, when they could not find a way to do this, to, to um, come into the house because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. I think that's pretty amazing, right? Like, I can't imagine what they were thinking. I'd love to meet the the one who pitched the idea first to the group. How's it about, we go to the roof, tear a hole in it. And then lower our friend down. We haven't practiced this before, but I'm sure it'll be good. It should, should work out well. And so they do that, and everyone's packed in this room, in this house. The man's lowered down, there's dirt and stuff going everywhere, tiles going everywhere. And down comes the man in front of Jesus, and he's lying there on the floor, this paralyzed man. Everybody knows what's supposed to happen, because Jesus is this great healer they've all heard about. And his need was super obvious to everybody. But Jesus sees deeper than an MRI, and verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. I'm imagining everybody's like, what? Like, It's pretty obvious, Jesus, why we're here, because this man is paralyzed. We want him healed. And um, But the difference is that Jesus knew this man's core problem, right? He knew uh, this man's greatest need was the forgiveness of his sin. But The Pharisees who were there, the um, teachers of the law, they they rightly knew only God can forgive sins. And so, uh, verse 21, they began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And it would have been blasphemy, right, if Jesus wasn't the Son of God. And so they're, they're like, what's going on with this guy? But Jesus knew, 22, what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk? That's a good question, because if you say to a paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, well, it's a bit hard to know whether it worked or not, right? But uh, Jesus says, no, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he does something that only the Son of God can do, and he heals a man in an instant. He says, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on and went home, praising God. And so Jesus, to show his authority as God, he shows he has the authority to God to heal sins by doing something else that only God could do, which is healing this paralyzed man in a second. So the, the, the forgiveness of sins is our ultimate need. And the gospel... Uh, is the answer. Jesus is the answer. The forgiveness that only Jesus can offer and the, the forgiveness that he went on uh, to, to claim for us on the cross. He secured for us on the cross. That's our core need. That's what you and I need more than anything else. Well, if you live you know, in the Philippines in a slum or you live in a nice three-bedroom house in Ryde, We all need that same thing. We all need our core problem dealt with, which is sin. And need to be forgiven by God, brought back into relationship with him again, just as it was uh, back in the beginning. And Jesus did that. He took God's wrath and anger upon himself that we deserved. He showed that incredible love. He willingly came to take God's uh, wrath against you upon himself instead. Because sin is the problem. But the cross is the solution. And God's word challenges each of us. Have you come to Jesus uh, to have your core problem dealt with? Your sin, your broken relationship with our creator. Have you come to Jesus for forgiveness and to be made right with him? It's so important that we don't lose track of uh, our greatest need and the greatest need of our friends and family and our neighbours that they need to be made right with God through Jesus too, and, and, and as do we. And so that's why the gospel's the first priority for compassion, as I shared before. That's why we're Christ-centered, because we can do all sorts of things to help people, but their greatest need is that they come to know Jesus, the Savior. And it's um, that's why also we're, why we're church-based, because Jesus gave his church the mandate to go and make disciples of all nations, make followers of Jesus Uh, of all nations, and we want to help the church and love the church and be part of that uh, with his church and support that eternal, awesome task. Now, I want to show you, introduce you to someone, a guy called Noel. I think uh, that's him there in the blue shirt. He's the country director of Compassion Philippines and uh, awesome guy, Noel Pabiona. And uh, I wanted to share just a quote that he shared about the work that's going on. So they have 105,000 sponsored children in the Philippines uh, that they look after, which is incredibly massive, as you can imagine. And you might be thinking, you know, it's it's um, sometimes you hear about different agencies doing things and you think, oh, that's nice. But for him uh, and for Compassion, this is a quote that I think really sums up what, what we do he says my focus is on giving every sponsored child the chance to be a disciple in the way of our savior this i believe is what makes compassion stand out not only do we give children hope we also give them a chance to find eternal hope in jesus so that's why i love that the work of compassion in all the countries but particularly love the philippines because uh, noel's heart for jesus is just an amazing so, as now that we've seen that Jesus is and the gospel is our the answer to our greatest need, should we be mainly focused on evangelism then and outreach, and um, leave you know caring for others you know down the list somewhere, or maybe even on a cynical day like to people who like doing that sort of thing? Well, what does God's word say about that? Well, a couple of verses which stand out for me, and there's lots in the Bible. One is Proverbs fourteen thirty-one. God shows us His plan for how we should respond uh, when we're faced with those in need, and it says, "He who oppresses the poor, so he who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their Maker, but whoever's kind to the needy, honors God." Right? So there, we're either um, if the way we treat the poor. If we mistreat the poor, oppress the poor, then we're showing contempt for God, for their maker. But when we're kind to the poor and needy, we're honouring God. That's pretty cool, right? So we're either showing contempt for God or honouring him depending how we treat uh, his children, and and particularly the poor and needy. And that heart for the poor and needy has always been a trademark of godly believers, in um, Galatians chapter two, Paul's talking about a meeting that he had. So he had a meeting with these the leaders of the early church, and they're talking about taking the gospel gospel to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews. And Galatians two seven to nine says, <clears throat> the first nine. Sorry, he says, when James, Cephas, and John recognized as pillars acknowledged the grace that had been given to me. They gave the right hand of fellowship to me and Barnabas, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So they're you know, having this discussion and the pillars of the church are like, yeah, that's good. You guys go and share the good news of Jesus with uh, the non-Jews and we'll go share it with the Jews. And then verse 10 says, they asked only that we would remember the poor, which I made every effort to do. And so even the very earliest days of the Christian church, caring for the poor and needy amongst themselves but also amongst others uh, was very heart of Christian ministry. Because we believe the Bible, right? The good works and evangelism just go hand in hand. It's You don't separate one and chuck one out. Just, you do them together. And Jesus is the ultimate example of this, right? Jesus, uh, his role was to come and um, reconcile mankind to God. But that didn't stop him over and over and again, caring for the poor and needy, caring for the, the um, crippled, the paralyzed, the poor, the hungry, the needy. God had a passion and has a passion for justice and a tender heart toward the weakest members of our world. And as his children, that's exactly what our hearts should look like too, right? We must find some way of expressing that same Care and when we love and care for our neighbour in need, particularly the poor and needy, Proverbs tells us that we honour God as we do that, which is is awesome. Well, um, how did Jesus love? Well, see, the. I think the um, clearest explanation of how Jesus and what he thought about how we should care for the poor and needy is that the, the passage of the Good Samaritan, which you'll um, most likely be familiar with. Jesus tells this story of the Jewish man who was on his uh, way down um, the road and he got beaten by a gang of thugs and he's left bleeding and dying and he was ignored by the the Jewish priest and then by the the Levite and he's completely without hope. Jesus says, what does it mean to love your neighbor? And he describes this bloke who was a Samaritan, enemies of the Jews, who did something practical. He got off his donkey, got down in the dirt with this guy in this awful Part of town on this road, where uh, his life was threatened himself if these guys came back, and he cared for this man's material and physical needs. He cleaned him up. He put him on his donkey, uh, on his horse. Donkey took him to an inn, uh, cared for him overnight, and then gave the innkeeper money and said, "I'll come back, and if it costs anything more, I'll pay for that too." Jesus says, "Showing love for others means being sacrificially involved in their life uh, with the vulnerable. It's costly." Um, and it's other person-centered, but it's, and it's honoring to God. And Jesus refused not to limit just how we love, but also who we love, because when he shared the about the Jewish man and the Samaritan, the, it was the Samaritan man who loved his enemy, the Jew. Jesus calls us to love anyone in need, regardless of their race or politics or their class or their religion. Anybody is our neighbor. Not everyone's our brother and sister in Christ, but everybody's our neighbor. Uh, and we must love our neighbour. But again, before we can give that sort of generous love that Jesus talked about, we need to receive it from him first. We need to uh, re- receive, firstly, the mercy of, of God through Jesus. And only once we realise how graciously we've been saved can we go out and love like he's loved us. So, how do we respond? How how should we love? Well, through Jesus, God has rescued us. He's called us to be his people. What's important to him must be important to us. And if you're a follower of Jesus and a child of God, then like him, you will love the poor and needy. You'll love and want justice and mercy and kindness. And our lives will be clearly marked by a heart for the poor. If you're a follower of Jesus, you will, we're called to give practical, loving care for the poor and needy and help bring them the gospel of Jesus, which will um, bring them eternal life, not just life now. I have a friend, uh, her name's Teresa, and she lives in Westmead, so not far from here. And she grew up in the Philippines as well as a sponsored child with Compassion, actually. And um, she grew up in a desperately poor family uh she her parents were activists uh which um does this go online this talk yeah 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 they're activists right so they're they're out in the community pushing what they thought was great for the um uh for the community and uh but they rid they hated christians they ridiculed christians um uh, the, her dad particularly was very aggressive man and um one stage, a fire ripped through their community and burnt all their houses down because, as I was saying before, they're basically sheds, but they're right next to each other. And once a fire starts, um, they're pretty much unstoppable. And 600 families lost their homes in this fire, and theirs was one of them. Uh, And the first people to turn up and help Teresa's family were the Christians that he hated and, and ridiculed. And that impact just started a ripple effect for him. And so they, they were caring for Teresa, caring for the family. Uh, he couldn't believe it. And through this witness of these local caring Christians and also members of his family sharing the gospel with him, he ended up um, becoming a follower of Jesus himself, which is an incredible miracle when you um, when you meet this guy. He repented of his life of, of sin and he accepted Jesus as his Lord. And now... Uh, It's pretty incredible. Now he works for that local church. He runs the compassion program and he's sharing Jesus with over 300 children and their families uh, so they can be part of the program. It's just incredible. And so um, he wants other kids to to come to know and love Jesus just as his daughter Teresa did, who now lives just down the road. And that needs to be our heart too, right? Uh, A heart for the poor, a heart for the lost, a heart for those who are suffering, and a desire to love them and care for them and bring them the good news of Jesus. So I'm going to finish uh, in prayer and just ask that God will be doing that work in us, that we will love uh, those that he loves uh, for his glory. Let's pray. Our Father God, we want to praise you and thank you uh, that you have shown mercy to us, uh, that you have answered our greatest need by sending your son Jesus to pay the price for our sin and our rebellion against you. Father, we, we just thank you so much that you would do that for us. Uh, um, and Father, I just thank you so much that you call us to love others the way that you've loved us. Lord, we praise you that uh, we can be a part of sharing that good news of Jesus throughout the world. We pray that we'll be for your glory as we love and care for the poor and needy and that your name will be honoured. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Why don't we respond in worship?